0: Welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed. Today is a super special day. Uh, it is my oldest son's 21st birthday. I um, I
1: do. <laughs> I, <know>. I do. <laughs> Um,
0: So I am um, especially honored to welcome our guest to the show today. Um, Cynthia Luxford is a licensed, oh, excuse me, she is now retired, licensed direct entry certified professional midwife. Um, she ha- began her career in 1989 and held possession- positions on the Oregon Board of Direct Entry Midwives. She was an instructor at the National College of Midwives at the Birthing Way College of Midwifery, and she owned and operated a licensed free birthing center from 2004 to 2015, which is where uh, this wonderful lady helped me to bring my babies into the world. So, welcome, Cynthia.
2: Thank you. Yay. Okay asked me to, to join you on this great
1: birthday. Yay, yay, yay. can came yeah. And years ago, good grief. Were
3: you only 12 when you were <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been the
0: ongoing joke here the last like, Oh, no, I was very much a grown up, but we're just going to, yeah. I, <laughs> I was his age. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping that starting off, Cynthia, would you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got started with midwifery?
2: Sure. Um, I always answer that question by that I didn't choose midwifery, that it chose me. Um, I just have always had this crazy interest in pregnancy and birth from the time I was a little girl. And it was something I thought all girls felt like. So whenever I would talk to my friends or I'd be, you know, they'd be like, oh, it's gross. And I'm like, it's beautiful. you know. And they were, it's precious. Like, Wait a minute. Something different about the way I feel about this whole thing than some of my girlfriends. So then I realized it wasn't just because I was a woman that I felt like that. it was really something different about me. Um, and I when I had my babies, I had them at home with a midwife, and as soon as they were um, toddling around and old enough to you know stay at home with their dad, I started apprenticing with that midwife and so that was at the beginning of my journey into midwifery.
0: Lovely, yeah. lovely. So, um, yeah, for for most of the, well, all of the years, at least all the years during the time when I was having babies <laughs> and we were in communication, um, all of all of most all, if not all, of the babies that you helped mamas bring into this world were delivered at home. You probably had some experiences where you had to transport to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Did you? And can you yeah. um, kind of talk a little bit about, about that?
2: Yeah, we, um, in the very beginning, you know, of course, I wasn't quite as experienced, so I would take women in a little bit more frequently. Usually they would just give them some, you know, um, augment their labor to get things going and they go ahead and have their baby without having to have a C section. But late, in the later years, I really only went in if there was just no other way that baby was coming out than to have the mom my- have. Section or have an epidural, so because she, she was having trouble with pain, um, and my C-section rate was about six percent, and that compared to hospitals, which are anywhere from like twenty-seven to thirty-five percent, yeah, yeah, is big difference.
1: Huge. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask a question? Uh, so sure. So in in doing the research for this episode, like I have to admit, I don't have any kids, and so this was literally so new to me. Like I I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. And in some of the preparation for this show, I was blown away by it. And I imagine... Uh, our audience, you know, in the conspiracy community, I'm not sure, you know what I mean? Just uh, maybe they have no idea what a midwife is either. Um, is there maybe a way we could just take it back, maybe just explain what exactly uh, what a midwife is, I guess.
0: And and also, I really want to touch on too, because I know that there's like nurse midwives, right? We're right and and we're talking about hospital uh, associated midwives, and I and I really want to focus on home birth midwives. I really want to, I mean, obviously that's what we're doing, so definitely want to touch on
1: that. No offense to our audience here, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yes, there are two different types of midwives. So there is a, a nurse midwife, and those are midwives, or they're nurses who have gone on to have a, a lot of education to become midwives, and they generally work in hospitals. Some of them do work out in the community, and they do out of hospital births. But it's really way more common for them to practice in the hospitals. Then there's um, what we call direct entry midwives. And those are midwives like I am. So I didn't go to a nursing school. I don't have any nursing degrees. I went straight into studying about having babies, working with a midwife and learning hands-on the whole way about birth. And so Oregon in 92 decided that they would go ahead and offer licensing for us, which was good and bad. You know, we... um, There was an Oregon Midwifery Council at that time that was certifying midwives. So they were really, really pretty much like above the curve in the United States to get midwives um, kind of accredited. So they would actually test them. So this council would get our, um, we had a certain number of births that you had to attend. And I think that at that time it was um, 25. So once you had attended 25 births, you could go, no, it was 50. 50 births, you could go and sit for the exam. So we had, it took two days. Um, It usually took about 14 hours to take the written exam. And then the next day you'd come back if you passed your written exam and then you you would have an oral exam. So um, I sat for that and got my certificate. And then the next year we moved to licensure and the state was so impressed with the testing that the that the council was using that they used the same test. So it was really, really a comprehensive thing that we went through. Um, And then we were grandmothered in. So all of us who already got our certificates from the Oregon Midwifery Council were able to be licensed without taking the special state test because it was the same thing. So we all got grandmothered in the ones, those of us that were certified at that time. Um, And then the National College of Midwifery, which gives us the CPM or the certified professional midwife is also another separate certification and it involves um, the same kind of testing so they and they went ahead and said anybody who's already licensed in their state can get their certificate from um norm because some states don't license and so there was a, a real need for there to be some kind of a certification process for midwives that didn't have that in their state so NARM took up and they started certifying midwives all over North America using their um, tests and their credentials. And so that really helped a ton. Most CPMs and um, like midwives practice outside of the hospital. Some of us would go ahead and um, start birth centers and practice in those. Uh, We really couldn't practice in hospitals because we didn't have any privileges there. So once we brought our moms into the hospital, they became hospital patients. We became support people, um, depending on the hospital, depending on the doctor. Some doctors would go just kind of step back, and if things were going good, let us go ahead and um, continue and catch the babies and be with their mommies like they wanted us to be. But others would be, like, totally treating us like, you know, we couldn't even come in the room. Mm. And, you know, this one nurse was totally rude to me and wanted me to stand out in the hall. And the mom was saying, no, I want her with me, I want her with me. And I went in, I finally went in and I said, she wants me here. I'm here. Hmm. And then she was rude, rude, rude. And I said, (laughs) I just said to her, I don't really know why you have such a problem with me. (laughs) She goes, well, and then she started saying that I had brought some people in a couple of a mom in like a couple of weeks before that, that had some weird thing I'd never even heard of. She says, with plus four formiconium, I'm like, that isn't even a thing. Hmm. And I didn't bring anybody in. And so she, I don't know what her deal was. She was just really, really rude and evil. And that was in the very beginning. That was right when I very first got licensed. And the community was just starting to get to know who I was. And um, towards the end, no problem. I could walk right into the local hospitals with my moms. And people, the nurses and the doctors were happy to see me. They knew my, but my moms were really well educated. They knew that they were going to be um, really decent and polite, and know that if we were there, that we needed to be there. You know, wasn't going to be a big fight like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have an intervention now. It's like, well, you kind of need an intervention now, so that's how we would handle that.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
2: So, so does that explain a little bit about the difference between midwives? Absolutely, and- yep,
1: yes.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Can you, will you, I mean, cause I think that, um, so the, the point that I really want to make is, um, the, the, a normal, healthy birthing mom, you know, what mm-hmm. can she, if, if all, you know, and like, until I got pregnant with Baxton, you know, the only thing I knew of was, you know, hospitals were the safe, clean, uh, you know, right. healthy, you know, right way to go if you were a, a righteous uh, parent you certainly you know had your baby and you know strapped down to a table in the hospital and started loading them up with vaccines right away and all that so i was a bad parent right from the jump
2: <laughs>
0: um, um but i am wondering can you like if just for uh, our audience to have an idea um most people probably only have experience or have heard of a hospital birth of a woman's coming to you and uh, looking for care what could she expect that would be um different or what what could she expect kind of overall what does the process look like uh for her so, it's
2: so different each appointment that I have with my mom's last usually about two hours mm-hmm. and that is like tons of talking and know each other, getting to know your family, your pets, you know, your whole house. Um, it's it's like making a, a new friend. And on top of that, then you get tons of education about your pregnancy. You get um, lots of informed choice. So there's things that you can't even say no to if you're going to a medical care provider. But when you're seeing a midwife, you have choices and you don't have to do every single thing that they um, tell you to do, that they just need to check the box so that, you know, okay, she got the shot, she got the test, she got, you know. So you have a ton of choice. The care is, um, the continuity of it is amazing because you're not going to have to worry about, well, when I go into labor, am I going to get you? Right. Yeah. Sure. You're sure. Gonna, yeah. And then and the midwife will be with the mom through her entire labor as long as the mom really needs her to be there um, I've been at some mom's houses for 60 hours um, waiting for the baby and other times I've barely made it or I've been riding in the car with them when they were in labor we remember
0: that Cynthia uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so don't push we're almost there yes there. I can't see. do
2: I need to- so, um, it's just so much more personal and, um, you get, you get so educated that by the time you're ready to have the baby, you just aren't afraid because you have so much information that it makes it just like a, a normal, ordinary thing that everybody just does and you're ready to are ready to go. Um, I, we did do testing. We did do blood work for moms to make sure that there wasn't any issues with the iron deficiencies or you know, really out of wax sugars. Um, we did do uh, a urine dipstick every time just to make sure that there's not anything going wrong with the too much protein in the urine or sugar. Um, the testing that I always did was just the basic, like, looking out for the mom and the baby's health. It wasn't anything that it was like, okay, now you now it's time for your flu shot, you know, or right. it's... Or we have to do an
0: internal exam this time. Like that was a big thing. Like especially as a brand new, you know, first time pregnant mama. Like I was very in tune with my body and I knew for sure what I did and did not want to have happen to me. And you supported me right from the start. Like we're not gonna need to do that. You know, I'm here to support you and and you're the mommy and this is your body and I'm here to to, you know, be with you through this process and help you learn what's going on with you. And it was yeah, the best experience.
2: Yeah, it's very non-invasive, you know, but but super hands-on. I mean, yep. it's like a, there's a different you know it's like this, it's really you know, mommy-ish
0: it's, yeah. mommy-ish. it's <laughs> mommy-ish it's very nurturing and like you say you become like part of the family like you know you're you're helping women to have birth you know in, the, in in their living rooms right like with our if we want it right our other children are standing and it's calm and it's you know and nobody's jerking the baby out of my arms and clipping the cord which we're gonna get into oh we're gonna get uh, <laughs> into some good stuff folks <laughs> um but you know it's it's gentle it's soft and it's it's very pure there's not any tr- i think uh, the big thing means there's no trauma happening to mommy or baby there's no you know beginning life trauma happening and and that's uh, something that you cannot find almost anywhere in life and to give them that best possible chance for like I say for normal birthing women with you know healthy pregnancies this is I I couldn't yeah
2: you know um, even if moms had complications and things that we had to deal with like get on it and take care of it afterwards, they would not even sometimes know that there had been a problem that could because we really worked on just remaining really calm and doing what we need to do and not freaking anybody out. You know, it's just because most of the stuff isn't like a big freak out. It's, you know, well, this is something a little different. So this is what we do. And, you know, you're just super calm about it. You don't yep. want to start yelling, freaking everybody out. So. And not everything
0: that I happens is an know. emergency.
2: Right. I did have a mom come in to see me later in her pregnancy. Um, and she was switching from a doctor to me. And when she was in labor, she showed up, I had, I'd only seen her a couple of times and she showed up to have the baby and he was breech. And he, when he was born, I mean, her labor was really fast. It was her second baby. And while he was being born, um, he had his arms like up behind the back of his head, which is a really not a good thing. They shouldn't be doing that. So we had to reach up and pull his arms down and help pull him out. And when he came out, I was just like, oh, no, I thought he was not alive because he was so pale and so still. But I went ahead and did the resuscitation and um, just touched him and uh, did some a little bit of, you know, you know, breathing, like the CPR that we do, and he just came right to Mm -hmm. and pink dried up and it was amazing because she didn't really think that anything that was anything wrong she was just like oh my baby came out there he is he's breathing now he's crying and she was so so thankful because if she had gone to the hospital the baby was born so quick that it would have been a nurse dealing with her birth and i don't think that the outcome would have been the same I agree and she totally thought that too and she says i know thought I was just meant to be here to have this baby because otherwise I know we wouldn't have had this good outcome so well they take it to, to such
0: severe a- intervention right away such severe intervention right. they traumatize the babies right. immediately and they want to shut down right. They're they're breaking their bonds apart immediately they're cutting that cord and they're and they're yes. causing what could be it's just a mild little and eh, to be like a medical emergency
2: yeah. Cause if his cord had been cut right away that was his lifeline. Yep. He was still connected to the placenta. He was still getting oxygen from mommy, even though he was laying there. He was on the floor because she was on a birth stool. And they had, you know, uh, covers and stuff on the floor. So she, he was on the floor. Cord still giving him all this oxygen. Yep. And then I just gave him, like, really just one breath. We call it a prana breath. So it's just like an opening breath. And it. I didn't use a bag and mask. I used my mouth. And it was just this warm, I mean, to me, it just, I didn't like using bag and masks on babies yeah. because it's just personal. And it's this weird plastic object. And if you're doing it with your mouth, the baby's got this warm, this love. It's like a kiss. It's Organic. like, come on, baby. Yeah. And you've that air go in and the baby's just like, ah, there they are. Yeah. So yeah. it is it, this I get teary when I think about it. So, yeah, Yeah. it's
0: precious, precious moments.
1: You would miss out in a hospital. You know, you miss out on that stuff. I mean, it's just so...
0: You do, and and so, like, um, so I sat down with these guys, like, a week or two ago, and we watched The Business of Being Born.
1: It was so (laughs) eye-opening. Like, I seriously, like I said earlier, like, I had no idea about any of this stuff, you know? Uh, There was so much in that movie that just really was shocking, and was also just very eye-opening um you know everybody out there you know i definitely recommend watching it uh business of being born like i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it i walked Mm -hmm. away from that like oh my god you know one of the big things one of the big things about this show in particular is we've been going hard against big pharma the medical establishment uh vaccines things like that you know because there's so much corruption and evil going on you know it's very clear you know in in the world we live in today it's so clear that that's you know the, the agendas and all and all the 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 you know it's just for profit at the expense of you know the citizenry basically yeah. you know, um, and and so you know we've been attacking them on the vaccine thing you know over and over and over and over and that's what everybody you know in the alternative media community is doing is you know we're we're trying to. Crush Big Pharma on the vaccine angle, you know, and so we thought this would be an awesome episode. Megan had this great I, idea. I to was have this like, episode. so do you
0: know what they're doing to mommies and yeah. babies, and guys? It's like,
1: it's, like, <laughs> it's like we can we can attack them now from this angle because this, you know, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is a series. It's just it's heartbreaking it's, and it's scary it's, and it's just evil.
2: Yeah, it is, and it's the very. I mean, the very very beginning of a person's whole life yeah and they're taken in and being completely traumatized and that's been going on for you know for many 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 years it's just the normal thing to happen in our country and it's not at all um the one of the reasons that i stopped working was because the licensing rules were making it pretty impossible for me to practice in a holistic and loving way, they were requiring so many tests. I and mean, because I, when I started, there wasn't anybody looking over my shoulder. We were completely autonomous. We took care of our moms. We we knew the we knew what was good and what was bad. We transfer them out if there was problems. But it got to be more and more and more and more oversight. So to to the point where we couldn't even, like if a person had the Oregon Health Plan, but they wouldn't pay me, I couldn't even accept payments from them mm. if I didn't have the right form filled out mm. because I am supp- I was okay, contracted with the course. Oregon Health Plan, it, with Medicaid, actually. I mean, it, was, it was just getting worse and worse. I was going to have to make everybody have an ultrasound, uh, like two ultrasounds in their pregnancies. I was going to have to make them have a group B strep test, oh, which we that. always... Waivers which an ultrasound I mean, is a
0: terrible intervention i mean if you don't have to have an ultrasound i mean and and that's a whole nother thing we go into a whole nother episode about that but <laughs> but we know that it's horrific
2: yeah it's all these things and then you know if the mom did chest positive for group b strep then we had to give her iv antibiotics oh, yeah. during her labor oh, i mean it was getting more and more and more and more medical and i was just like i can't even go there and if we had our parents signing an informed consent but the state didn't like our informed consent, then they would refuse to pay me. Hmm. So either and, we're just tying our left and right.
0: And we're talking about too, I mean, and, and just in terms of payment, like so what you're offering is women to have essentially the, the freedom to choose a way that they um, need and want and are made to birth. Um, and the ability to bond with their newborns in in a real and wholesome um, way, in a way that is it is opposite of the psyop that goes on at hospitals, right? We're cutting babies out, we're breaking you know bonds right away. We're we're having mothers that don't bond with their babies. We're having you know mothers who don't care to breastfeed because there's this, there's there's no instinct, right? So I mean, I'm sure there are people okay. who argue with me, but yeah. but I'm ready for that argument. Mm. However. Yeah. <laughs> um, and And really, what you're offering is is birthing freedom and and this mothering, wonderful, wholesome environment which at at a tiny fraction of the cost of what it oh, costs yeah. a woman yeah. to go to the hospital and be medically intervened with from the moment even if we only talk about fetal monitoring right if if that's only as bad as it got and in most uh, cases, that is not as bad as it gets. Um, and, and they have no problem paying these fifteen thirty dollars 30000 hospital bills to cut babies out of their moms. But, you know, for yeah. this small fee. And, and really this is feeds into what the medical community and what the government at large does, which is to cover up and oppress the things that are actually healing and helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and is there agenda yeah. to break up the family? Is there agenda to break up the family bond? And they, they want to start it. And I'll go back even to amniocentesis, right? We're poking babies in the womb. Um, so, anyways, but. <laughs>
3: <laughs> keep going keep yeah love it, it love it, so,
2: love it. Uh, you know, and it's so true because I had so many clients that would refuse to have the pK or the not the, PK, the um there was a test on an alpha fetal protein test the AFp test that is the one that would tell you if your baby had Down syndrome or not that thing is notoriously wrong so women would make a decision test they get that test around 15 to 16 weeks, they it's like, okay, well, you have really high levels. So unless you knew the date exactly, because it's a test that's based on the exact part of your pregnancy that you're in. So if you're a little farther along and you get this test done, it could be a complete false positive that your baby probably has Down syndrome. So then the next thing is to go at 20 weeks. So you wait a whole month and you go have an amniocentesis done. And then they check to see whether the baby really does have Down syndrome. And that whole time in between, it's like a tentative worried. pregnancy. These women aren't sure they're gonna keep their baby. They're not sure their baby's okay. They're, they're not told that that test is probably wrong and your baby's probably just fine. Um, the, and they then have lots and lots and lots of ultrasounds to check that out. And I've, I, my moms would almost always refuse to have that AFP test because it was, it was ridiculous. If you have a baby that has down syndrome we will know when the baby is born.
0: And right.
3: well that's really the really big push
0: that's the agenda to further and normalize this is uh something different this is uh something wrong and therefore we need to we need to kill this baby because heaven forbid this baby be born different than the rest and and that's really the agenda there them scaring women into thinking there's something wrong with their babies or their babies their babies are sick and you might as well just cut them loose while you know you don't have to think about it. they're inside of you just cut them out and kill them and that's fine And, and that is a huge part of the agenda
2: yeah Because I had a mom who did have, uh, she went ahead and had the testing done because she was in her 40s and it was her first baby. The doctor that did the test, who was even a naturopath, is telling her, well, it's probably, you probably do have a baby with Down syndrome. And I'll just tell you how expensive it is to raise a child with Down syndrome. He was trying to tell her to get an abortion so she has the ultrasound and she sees the baby and i i thought she was going to have an abortion i was like okay this uh, i don't even know what to do to keep her going and she came back to see me after the abortion after the ultrasound and i said i was just kind of like so now have you made a decision and she's like absolutely not going to have an abortion and as soon as i saw the baby on the ultrasound it's one good <laughs> reason for an ultrasound i said no way I'm having this baby, and he did not have Down syndrome. Mm. He's beautiful, Aww. you know, and yeah. he been aborted. Just it, it's lots of babies are aborted that are perfectly fine, right? Whose moms would probably have?
0: Well, and we've really been con- conditioned as a society again to that. You know, I mean, I think that we're. Uh, to, to be such a first-world country and and so rich as we are, um, and, and this really is that psychological conditioning that, that there are just some human beings that matter less or that are not worth as much or that will not contribute as much, and so therefore they're expendable, and that is that all plays into this medical darkness. You know, it's like you know they they want to wipe off. I mean, we could we could take this into any level of of the medical community that we want, and we know that and and you, we all know that there's good doctors on the front lines, right? If we're in a car accident, we want to have a good good surgeon you know if there's a medical emergency we want to have a good obstetrician but but right. barring that um it's right. it's a it's a nightmare uh death squad <laughs> well, <laughs> it really is and it just system. reaches up it it's it's it started broken they wanted it broken they need us yeah. sick they need us to doubt ourselves and they need uh women to rely on them and and help us to thin our population down by killing our babies so there well, you go
3: the no, yeah. I mean, I just think. I mean, the the point you brought up earlier. The, the, you're you're a holistic. You know, you're doing this holistic. I mean, that's kind of the war we're seeing with with Big Pharma right now. Is they're shutting everything down. It's the same thing that Miriam was talking about a couple of weeks back. Is the with the Operation Quack Hack. They are they are shutting down anything that doesn't fall exactly into their 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 way of doing things. And their way of doing things also happens to be very profitable for them. Mm-hmm. They have set it up so the, yeah. so so when the moms come, they they come and they do their system. And you know we can look at all the data i mean we've seen the data you know when the babies are born they're they're both they're born between nine and five when these doctors you know they're i mean right before dinner yeah (laughs) like it it is happening at the convenience of the doctors and and those the right before you hit five o'clock that's that's when you're going to see the most cesarean sections i mean that's like these things it's a broken system, but it's but it's also people have been playing into it so long that they just they're a part of it, you know.
0: Well, and then women are, are choosing it too, like yeah. in, in and in some states that's a big deal, right? The and, and designer birds and and picking sure, your push sure. date and all of these things and like you know I've read you know women getting tummy tucks at the same time, like it's just completely removed from uh, I, and as a woman I will say from taking power away from yeah. a yeah. woman from taking a woman's uh, true strength away from her by dumbing us down by numbing us to it by making us think there's something wrong by making us think that we can't do it um, and that really does set the tone I think for mommies going into motherhood who were holding this baby and hey, I wasn't I couldn't even do this I couldn't even do this without help and, and so what are my chances you know and probably not going to be able to breastfeed and I you know I just I just feel like it's uh, it goes deep.
3: And and I, yeah, I mean, I'm, um, so, so we had our two babies, we had them at a birthing center and, uh, the the birthing center here in Springfield. And, um, I'm not even sure if it's still there, but I I believe it is, but, um, (laughs) but it might, it might be closed because of the same reasons you were talking about. They have made it more difficult on them. Um, but, but anyways, you know, we, we, had to watch videos and take classes and and all this stuff and i was i was blown away just in in that setting just all what i learned and just the percentages like you were talking about how percentage of people that are not having cesareans in the birthing center just versus the hospital you know and and i I mean, I was kind of the guy on the other side, and I wish I wish I would have listened to their mother more because she was the one ha- wanting to have the the home birth, and I I was honestly like I'm just being honest, like I was. You didn't I thought, know yet. I didn't know, you know. And it, once you have the knowledge, that's the key. That's why we have these, why we talk about this stuff, because when you have the knowledge, it is. Like the data says that it is safer for you to have a, a vaginal birth than a cesarean birth. A cesarean birth has way more complications. I mean that is a major surgery. So uh, if yeah. you if you're yeah. thinking about in terms of the baby, it is it is safer to be having that baby with the midwife at your home. Like yeah. that is that yeah. is that the data will prove that yeah. you you don't have to. Yeah. To, like you can look that up on your own, but we've all looked at the data, and that's for sure the truth on that one.
0: And what were we just looking up to? We were saying that out of the 20 richest, yep. am I right? Okay, yep. the out of the so, 20, so what America, you say. America
1: okay. spends, and, and, and I'm pretty sure this is up to the minute stats, but America spends $80 billion a year on hospital births, which is by far the number one, the uh, most amount of money spent in any country in the whole world. Now, out of the 20 richest countries in the world, America has the 20th. 20 out of 20, the very lowest uh, infant mortality yeah. rate. Yep.
0: Worst yeah. infant mortality well, why, would why would that be? Why would that be? I wonder. Maybe it's because we're cutting healthy babies out of healthy birthing mommies and we're running into a whole lot of problems. Or, you know, I don't even do that. I don't know, and this is something I meant to check before I came on tonight, I didn't, but cytotech, I remember that being a big deal because it wasn't Cytotec. Um, and, and that was a drug to induce labor, same as uh, like Pitocin is commonly used, but w- wasn't Cytotec specifically labeled by the FDA and said not to be used, am I right? Not to be used in yeah. birthing mother because it was causing placental ruptures. Am I, is that Am I correct? Yeah. And, and I remember there were families going to the FDA, and I remember seeing footage. This was like some years back. I couldn't find it again, where they were standing outside of the FDA going, look, my daughter died. The baby died. You guys see that it says on the charts that cytotech was used. What are you guys going to do? And the FDA was like, we don't regulate doctors. It's not our job yeah. to regulate doctors. We just pass policy. Yeah. And that, yeah, so, um, sorry. I... So
2: it's off-label use. It's for ulcers is what it's for. But it happens to have prostaglandin in it that will cause the cervix to ripen and it will cause contractions. So doctors were like, you know, OBs were like, hey, we should try this on our, our moms and see if we'll be able to help us, them have their babies. Well, it'll cause contractions, but you can't stop it. It's not like giving someone an IV mm-hmm. that you can turn off, discontinue, and stop the Pitocin, and then the body will take over. The Cytotec, once it's in there, it's in there you can't stop it so it can cause a contraction that will last like 3 minutes long and then get very little rest and then here comes another contraction and the baby cannot maintain its circulation with that kind of pressure because every time that a contraction lasts that long it cuts the circulation off to the baby because it's so strong and natural contractions that women have to birth their babies their babies do fine with it and it usually maybe lasts for two minutes at the most out of right. really really hard contraction at the end of labor but not like during dilation when you're trying to get the labor going so it's killing babies and moms uh, it's just it's awful and they're still using it all the time um, just yesterday out here in Lincoln City at our hospital we uh, they lost a mom and a baby and I can't even imagine exactly we lost somebody i know was there and told me some things about it and i really believe it had to do with CytoTech, and um wow. it was awful so mom um, and a baby right here in our little town we're just lost yesterday
1: yeah. so megan you were saying that that this is something you heard about a long time ago but yeah. you're saying now this is still so, something yeah, they're they're, using?
0: yeah i mean and i say long like within the last 10 years okay, but, but yeah. i mean they don't necessarily just abandon their terrible practices i mean right mm-hmm. um and uh, I- sorry.
2: I'm just saying they're still using it, and um, they, sometimes they'll even give it to the moms to take home and take it. Like, take it every six hours. Oh, no. So they not,
1: not,
2: they're just come back and start having contractions. And-
0: but see, the thing is, though, now, but the woman, like, okay, just the, the creation of a woman, we are biologically made, right? Our brains and our bodies, as we get nearer to when, uh, you know, there's just this, there's this number that the doctors don't have on their calendars. But that your body has, that knows when that baby's supposed to come, yeah. when all the lungs and all of the, and everything has happened, to the immune system, everything is what it's supposed to yeah. be. And your body's going to produce those chemicals to cause your uterus to start contracting in the way that it should. Um, and in a way that is not harmful to your baby. And so we're just completely all right. bypassing all of this under the guise of this being the safer, cleaner uh, better way, and and I think and many women don't know, and the, and the truth is they've been terrified into it's too scary. Your hips aren't wide, enough that that's, that's oh, a that's big BS one. claim. I remember yep. when I was pregnant with Bax and even twenty years ago they were saying, well, we might need to measure your hips. So, no, we're not. No, we're. <laughs> I don't think so because you know, right? And and the woman's body, right? We're made like our hips yeah. will kind of like the joints loosen. I, I remember calling you like I, I hear like crunching and popping. You're like, <laughs> I know, honey, that's your ligaments is. Doing doing what it should, so. <laughs> but um, will you talk a little bit about uh, the scopolamine, the, the twilight sleep that they were using?
3: It started that, this that all. started,
0: well, yeah. So let's talk about how much the uh, medical profession cared for women uh, starting off.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they make birth happen quickly to not interfere with their day. Seriously, so let's just put this mom out. We'll get her completely out so she doesn't remember anything huh. that we're doing to her. She's not really out because she's gonna scream the whole time. She's gonna feel
0: what's she's, happening.
2: Yeah, she won't remember. But it. she won't remember. And
0: it. then
2: put the baby out with forceps. So this was happening probably at least seventy years ago. Up until pro- it probably did start to. You know not be used at all by the time like i was born i don't think they're using it at all but when my husband was born his mom has scopalamine. and she would say that she didn't remember anything about his birth until one time after she was starting to get a little bit of dementia she said to me she was here during the time that we were having a baby in the back room in the birth center and she said i came out and the baby had been born everything was over she says that it's it's over she was so quiet and I said, yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty quiet. She goes, well, I screamed and hung on to the side of the bed. And I'm like, yes, I'm sure you did. So okay. she was remembering it all yeah. those yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's horrible experience. Yeah. So.
0: Well they would ban they would ban the husbands from the, from the delivery room and exactly. sometimes yeah, they would I, leave these women right yeah they would use lamb's wool didn't they to keep yep. them strapped down yep. because otherwise it would leave yep. marks on their wrists and legs and nice. ankles and their husbands would want to know why and leave them laying why? in their feces and their urine screaming out in pain but knowing they wouldn't remember so that didn't matter didn't matter no, no they
2: just and and really there was no Let's get the mom up and be active. Let's get her to move around. Let's help her out. Let's help her get this labor going. It was like they had no clue what was really going to help labor. Right. And I don't, they didn't know. Or the, one of the things that I remember um, hearing about at a conference was that obstetricians used to be kind of, um, Felt like second-class citizens as doctors because they really didn't do anything. Mm. They just caught the babies. The women did all the work. They wanted to be surgeons and they wanted to have
1: prestige.
2: <laughs> so they started to of course. intervene so that they actually do the doctor doctor thing. You know, yep. they didn't have to just stand by and be. They got to cut people open and they got to give them drugs and they got to they got to control the the whole experience. So. I think that is probably very true. Is that they were just like, oh man, being an obstetrician is just sort of like embarrassing. We want to be a real doctor, yeah. so let's start doing all these to women. And they
0: and they, they took away us. this inherent uh, gift and this ability for women to do what they were always meant to do. That had nothing to do with because pregnancy isn't an illness, and yeah. uh, and 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 birth isn't a medical emergency and uh and and that is the part that has been perverted from society's um awareness so, and and although
3: yeah. we don't maybe use those exact same practices like i think the foundation of how women are treated in hospitals kind of stems from that at this point you know i i, I mean i don't is i haven't been to a birth in a hospital, but, uh, I mean, are are women, they still sit like, you know, I know when the birthing center, you, you move around, you get in water, you do, you do what you do, what works for you and what, what the baby's telling you to do. Like that is, that is how a woman should birth a baby Mm -hmm. now. Now is that in a hospital or are, do they have that kind of freedom anymore?
2: Not if you have an epidural, if you have an epidural, you're numb from the waist down and you
0: can't walk around.
3: (laughs) And there so now we're slowing
0: down labor, right? You need to be able to move. You need to, to get that baby down in your hips mm-hmm. the way it should and help that baby turn. And, and putting women flat on their backs is just about the worst thing you can do yeah. Yeah. to a mommy trying right. to push a baby out.
2: Yeah. 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 And they will be like waiting to give you the epidural. Women will be, yeah. will have their birth plan. I know you guys talked about birth plans. They'll have their birth plan all figured out. I don't want any drugs. I just <laughs> want to have my baby naturally. And nobody cares they, as soon as the woman starts to make noise and be uncomfortable, then the staff is uncomfortable. And it's so stupid. They're, they're, they're helping women birth huh. every day. Why, why does that make them uncomfortable? Right. So they want medications, mostly because they're probably kind of understaffed. So they watch women from the desk. They have their fetal monitors lined up at the desk. They watch their huh. babies' dates from the desk. So if they can put everybody on an epidural, then they don't have to go to their bedside and help them because they don't have any pain now. And they can just watch the baby, make sure everything's okay, and that's, that's how they do their job anymore. But strap... You know? strap oh, sorry. That's okay.
0: gonna uh, so say, that's- and strapping those fetal monitors to them... And, uh, increases the risk that there's going to be an intervention, and yeah. uh, and giving them the epidural uh, um, immediately increases their risk that they're going to have a surgery delivery now, and and that is another part of this whole. I mean, it all just fits very diabolically into a nice little pie of uh, corruption against women and their babies, and and what ends up happening is they get women in there, and this was the the big thing that scared me. Um, when I was looking at choices, you know, 21 years ago now, um, was I didn't want to be in a position where, like you talked about, maybe there's like an issue, maybe a little something comes up, you know, maybe the baby's not turned right, maybe the baby's breech, maybe the baby's not breathing, maybe, you know, my blood pressure gets a little high, whatever it may be. I didn't want to be flat on my back and have them telling me, but this is what's best for your baby. And knowing right. in my human mommy body that that's not true. Like my yeah. baby doesn't yeah. need forceps. My baby, you know, I sure. don't need sure. an epidural. You don't need to cut me open and know that my body can do this and, and have the benefit of like, okay, well, the baby's breached. Can, can we have oxygen ready just in case? Can we just kind of, we make sure not to cut the or which, and and that's another thing. If your baby's born distressed distress at the hospital, that's at least... Up to Which within thing? the last decade, the first thing they do is cut that cord. Yeah. That's the
3: very first and thing they like, do. They like and the cow, and, and like trauma, the yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And oh, what they really need to do is leave that right. baby yeah. right there. Um, and so that was a big thing for me. I didn't want to, and I, I knew I didn't want some doctor telling me what, and, and guilting me and taking my voice from me. I didn't want to be yeah. in a vulnerable position, have someone tell me, well, this don't you care about your baby? Aren't you afraid for your baby? Well, this is what this is what I suggest with my medical opinion, knowing in my heart of hearts that it is not what's best. It's scary, and that's how they really can get uh, women and their partners into terrible positions in the hospital. And I'm not saying that all obstetricians and all doctors are this way, but but by and large, this is the vibe of the medical community. And it's
3: a broken system.
0: And it it's yeah. very broken. Yep. It's a broken
3: system, and it comes down to the same thing you were just talking about, sitting with there with all the monitors and whatnot. It, I, I always equated it. It's, it's like uh, running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to turn the tables over. It's like they are trying to get these women in and out of there as quickly as possible so they can free up those beds so they can have another women come in so they're maximizing their profit and they're minimizing the time. They're minimizing the amount of work they have to do, really, too. They're 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 trying to get out and get home to their families and, and whatnot, but the, if the system didn't incentivize them that way, I mean, you can look at the graphs of, like, when women uh, – when women are born at home births, when, when, when they are birthed, it, it's not the same, you know, they're, they're a no, lot more it's even, hard. it's all over the place, you know, I mean, uh, and you look at the hospitals, it's, it's like, wow, they, they must have a lot of nine to fibers there, you know, I mean, I, uh, and from
2: Monday to Thursday. So yeah. it's right in the middle of the week.
3: Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and
2: yeah that's,
1: certainly. that's such a good point, man. Like at the end of the day, it is a business. And it's a business that requires yep. a profit. I mean, it's probably one of, if not the biggest businesses in the world, right? Just, the, just yep. the whole medical field, right? And so by virtue of that, right, just from day one of medical school, it's like that's what we're going to aim the teaching towards, right, is mm-hmm. to is to formulate your mind and the curriculum around the end goal being this is a business. Yep. And you see that in the vaccine world. And it's like, you know, so one of the things that stood out in the Business of Being Born movie is they went to a lot of nurses and, and they said, have you ever seen uh, – a baby being born or something like that uh, how, how, like, how
0: often do you witness yeah, a, a natural a like, natural birth they
1: were like i don't know like once like never like, rarely like they <laughs> completely keep that that whole <laughs> idea of that away from them you know what i mean and so it's just an indoctr- yeah. indoctrination and so you know I, so much of the pushback that we get nowadays when we talk about vaccines or we talk about like anything related to the current stuff going on in the world it's always you know medical intervention uh you know big pharma is here to save you and then and that's and, and you hear that from all these doctors and experts that have been indoctrinated into that too but you know obviously there's a lot of experts and doctors that are speaking out against on the opposite side too and i'm sure that there's a lot of doctors and nurses out there that would completely advocate and be on board with what we're saying too but i think that you know also it's not even really their fault you know that's what the the schooling and, and the medical field from my opinion, it is geared towards, it, is how to groom these people to be the best employees for big pharma that you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely.
3: You know, one of the things th- that we've kind of been hinting around, but like one of the most important things is when these babies are born is, is that golden hour, right after they're born. And just, just what happens in a hospital setting versus what would happen with with you, Cynthia? Would, would you give us a little bit of uh, how, how the difference of that?
2: Sure. So I can say that in the first hour of a baby in, in, under my care, um, I don't even touch the baby, really. If I don't have to, I don't even touch it. that the mom is going to be holding the baby, the placenta, if the placenta comes, then I wrap it up in a chucks and set it next to the mom, might help her get out of the tub. If she's still in the tub, we put it in a little, tu- a little uh, placenta pan and let it float there while she's holding the baby. I'm
0: walking the baby around with someone with the pan behind me. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So it's really, really important that that baby gets to try to nurse as soon as possible in that very first hour. So that baby is at mom's breast. The baby is completely with mom. I don't have to take the baby away and dry it off and put it in the warmer and dry it off. Okay, so the hospital cut board gets cut, the baby gets taken over to the warmer and gets dried off <laughs> and get all all checked out and poked and suctioned and all kinds of rough, rough treatment. And, and it's like, oh, but the, it's cold. If they take the baby's temperature, like the baby's cold enough, give the baby to the mom. She's hot. Yeah, She's man. like a furnace. She yeah. just pushed the baby out. She's super hot. Give that baby to mom. That's exactly where the baby needs to be. That's why mom is so hot. So the baby's nice and warm, you know. So that first hour to me was just completely precious. I wouldn't look and tell you what your baby was, if whether a boy or a girl, because a lot of times parents didn't know before they had their baby. So for me, one of my very favorite times of the whole birth was like the first few minutes after the birth, when nobody knew if it was a boy or a girl, it was just a baby and it was their beautiful Mm -hmm. baby. And then it was like, oh, what do we have? Is -hmm. it a boy or a girl? know somebody would check but it wasn't me i would be like oh it's a boy you know and show them their baby's crotch, you know like the, some of those pictures that you see the doctor's like the big oh here's your baby girl that i delivered you know, you
3: know, <laughs> yeah. good job good job
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah the, that first hour Nothing. I didn't really do anything. I would change blankets. If mom was out um, and sitting on her bed or if we got her out of the water, we'd make sure that we give her lots of nice, warm, dry blankets and keep changing those and just observe and just see how, how beautiful it was. A lot of times I would just completely leave them alone. If everything was cool, mom wasn't bleeding too much or at all. Most times moms weren't bleeding hardly at all. Yeah. Um, I could just, well, I could leave the room and just let them be a family together with yeah. their new baby. Yeah. And it's just the most amazing bonding time for parents. And the baby will yeah. be, have their eyes and look into the face yeah. of the That's the big
0: thing. That's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember. Yes. And like,
2: Ah. Yeah
0: this calm they respond to being talked to because and and the whole yeah. time right they're they're in sync with mom's heartbeat mm-hmm. they're in sync with our voice yeah. they they intuitively they, they know our energetic vibration and so the very best place for that baby especially if there's any kind of a, a hiccup is against mom yeah. is against that heartbeat is against that yeah. warmth is against that energetic field because that baby is a bonded to that entity yeah. and it's a he and 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 as much as a woman bonds with her baby while baby's in utero, when that moment happens, when all those endorphins are dropped, when that baby is out – I'm like, I'm not going to yep. cry, but that is bonding. Ah. That is, yeah. that is sure. the ultimate bonding experience. And those kind of things really need to happen. The baby doesn't have to be, you know, like the big thing, you know, like you were the saying, like clean them too. off, clean off the vernix. Like it's not no. dirty. It's not dirty. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. You, you love you rub it in there. It's okay. Yeah. they they just came out of your body. This is what it is. And it's not scary. It's not dirty and nothing's wrong. And in fact, this is everything that's right in the world. So yeah.
2: But mostly it's just so much more peaceful and still sticking with not doing interventions. You know, yeah, if I have a baby that I'll, I'll watch and make sure everybody's, that the baby's breathing fine and not not struggling, not having any trouble. I'll listen to the baby's heart, make sure everything sounds good and that baby's heart rate's where it should be. But if I see the baby's breathing normally and I listen with the stethoscope, I hear the baby's heartbeat is good, I just back off and I'll just let them the mom deal with the baby. You know, it's not, there's nothing more I need to do. All, of, all, of mommy. Well, two and of the
0: dad. two of mine were born in the water, and I remember that being like the most magical. Like the perfect transition, you know, like from womb to a watery, warm environment. And I just remember holding, you know, like Jolie under the water and just looking at his face and being able just to bring him up. And it's, we're both smiling. like, yeah. so, oh, I could have, I could, I don't want to do it ever again. That said, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but it's so magic when it happened then, and I still remember it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just something that
2: you never forget. And I. I love that women can have those kinds of memories for their births, you know, like probably, I don't know how many women I got to help, about 700. That was gonna be my next question. And
1: then, my next question was gonna be how, <laughs> how many total versus how many interventions, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: About 700 and so, you know, 6% of those were um, transfers and pretty much every transfer was a C-section at that point mm-hmm. because in the beginning, maybe they weren't, but after I became, to you know, got really a lot more experienced, that was the only reason to take someone in, as if their birth just wasn't happening. And, you know, most of the time I think it was uh, some, psychological. Sometimes the baby really was in a really funky position and just wouldn't turn, and there wasn't anything that we could do to get it to turn anymore, and the mom was getting super tired. So, you know, we would just talk about it and make the decision to go in, if that was the case. Um, and... You know, and, and those births always were good, because the mom, yeah. the hospital was happy to receive them, the moms were in good shape, the babies were in good shape, it didn't wait till I was, like, seeing tons of meconium, and the baby was crashing, and then race right to the hospital, you know, we yeah. went with time, so...
3: The mom was no, still in control no, of that. her own birth at that point, yeah. too. You know, I mean, I think that's a big piece of it. You know, when you get to the hospital, it's they're deciding when you have the cesarean. When when you go to have a cesarean with one uh, with your mother, it's like they they are in control of that decision.
1: So here's uh, according to Parents.com here real quick. So twenty uh, percent of deliver twenty percent of deliveries are nudged along with pitocin. More than thirty five percent involve episiotomies. Up to fifteen percent enlist forceps or a vacuum. And more than 25% end as cesareans. Wow.
0: So let's just talk about the forceps and, and vacuum producing babies with cerebral palsy. Um, and, uh, and I have uh, a dear friend who had a, a baby uh, in the hospital when she was a young um, mom, very young, a teenager, and didn't know anything. And there was heavy, heavy intervention, and she had... Um, a baby that was uh, medically injured and, and had cerebral palsy due to um, forceps and and vacuum. And uh, and uh, she ended up losing her baby um, some years later due to that um, injury that was at birth. And so this is very, very serious um, stuff. You know, we're yeah. talking about these numbers. Um, I think that uh, there's just been... Um, huge you know smear campaign against i mean and you know the huge smear campaign for you know 50 years against you know uh midwives and uh and women birthing at home and whether or not it's safe and whether or not you know mid midwifery is you know a a, a skill that can be utilized safely with you know birthing uh, mothers and uh and i think it's important to keep um the truth alive you know there's there the data is, proves it like it absolutely the, the data does.
3: absolutely says it's the safer option
0: it is um yeah. and and i know we've talked about it we've touched on it several times but would you explain in your own words the importance of the umbilical cord staying um yeah. attached until there's no more um pulse would you talk about that a little bit yeah
2: um i go i went beyond that so the the you can stop feeling a pulse probably after about five or ten minutes, but I would wait until there really wasn't even any more blood in the cord because the baby's heart—he's the baby's going to keep pumping that blood into its system on the cord. The baby needs to have all the blood it can get for it to have a uh, enough blood volume to have good blood pressure. So babies that are born and they cut the cord, they cause hypovolemia. They'll cause shock in babies because the babies actually are born with like a hemorrhage because a lot of their blood is still in the placenta and in the cord. So they don't give the baby a chance to pull all of their own blood back into their body and um, it helps to make sure that the uh, alveoli in their lungs will fill the capillaries are all fill with blood so they can actually take nice big breath and breathe well um, when they do that so the fetal circulation there there's a little valve in the heart called the foramen valley and when that is when the baby's a fetus that's open so all the blood just doesn't get shunted to the lungs at all so when the baby's born they take a breath and then that valve is shut and then their lungs need to fill with blood so they need extra blood to come in and fill sure. up the their sure. lungs. So cut the cord, you take away the ability for the baby to get that extra blood volume in there so that they can breathe well. So NICUs can be filled with babies who have breathing problems, who have yeah. shock yeah. from a low blood pressure, you cut, just because you cut the cord, like the minute that they were born. So hospitals are waiting like a minute, which probably helps, but it's still not enough. Sure. So I would wait till all the blood was gone um, the cord when the baby is born can be about as big around as your thumb it's really big and fat but by the time a couple hours pass it's just super thin like a piece of, sometimes it's just like a, a fat juice cream there's hardly sure. anything left to it so all that blood gets to be put into the baby it's pretty an amazing thing so um, it's just very important yeah to yeah, me eight babies get all of their blood and all of their stem cells so that's, you know, you yeah. can take stem cells out mm. other people. might as well let the baby have all of them to start.
1: Yeah. Um, but there's so many other people that pay a lot of money for those. <laughs> 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 yes,
2: yeah, so many. Uh, yeah, so that's, um, that's, it's just really important. And the other thing is, to just not something that, you know, every time that I have cut a cord for a baby, even after I've waited a couple hours, the babies almost always cry when the cord is cut. And I don't think it's because it hurts. I think they just energetically know that part of them is not there anymore. It's an yeah. it's interesting sure. thing, you know? But I, I think know. you're right, though.
0: I totally think that you're right. Yeah. I believe. I mean, I've been a mama with babies that you know, went through this whole process a couple of times. <laughs> um, I, I agree, though. That energetic thing, that, that whole... You know, the, the the psychology, the spirituality behind, I mean, most of the things really that any of us talk about on this show, but, and, and this in particular, it's, it's, it's everything and anything else is the smoke and mirrors of it. Yeah. So anyways, yeah.
3: So I would like to touch on one piece and, uh. This maybe maybe as the man I shouldn't be going into this, but oh, let me, I think let me I know just, where uh, this is going. Let me just uh, preface this uh, before I get going. So, so I want to talk about the 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 breastfeeding piece. Oh and, yay! Um, okay, good. And so I mean, it is so important that that baby when it's put on the mother's chest, it climbs itself up to the breast, and um and uh and when that baby latches on for the first time, I mean that kind of sets the tone of breastfeeding in general. Like this, this is this is known. It sets the tone. But also, I mean, I think it's just another conspiracy within a conspiracy. That you know, I mean, they they tried to give formula for years and years and years. Um, you know, that that was the correct way to do things. And you know, the data shows today we know that breastfeeding is way more essential than than formula. For, I mean, it's. And, and, you know, you can look at the data of the first six months. If someone exclusively breastfeeds, like how much, I mean, it's, it's going to do more than any vaccine will ever do. I can tell you that. in disease prevention, like it is, okay. it is known. And, and I will say, I, I mean, I like to, my preface is, is that as the man, um, I mean, i watched, when I saw breastfeeding happen, I thought it was, the baby just gets on there and you go, you know, right? No, it's insane. It's totally insane. And um, it is, I, I've heard women say that um, it is uh, the biggest accomplishment of my life was breastfeeding my child. Yeah. Like that, that's how, that's how big of a thing this is. So I don't want to pretend like I am like, uh, like not giving this what it is. Cause, cause I haven't had to do it and I can't be there, you know, but, uh, at the same time I was able to support, I was driving in the middle of the night to pick up, uh, uh, mother's milk from other mothers and, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to help facilitate that. Cause I knew how important it was, but within that there's. I mean they they they'll send you home from the hospital with, with formula.
0: Yeah. Oh oh, yeah. oh oh Similac and Infamil will send you formula in the mail. But yep. I don't yep. know how they find pregnant women. You don't have to sign up with them. They will send you formula in the mail. If yeah, you shop at home. Motherhood no, they, Maternity, we got it too. they will we got find it you. Too. Yes.
3: And, and on top of that though, you can they will sell you mother's milk at the hospital, but it is so unreasonable. It's insane. It's like it's I okay. I can't remember how much money it was, but it was we we can't buy the milk from them because we would just go broke in a week. You know, like that's how expensive it was. So, well, um,
0: I think there's some validity to, I mean, there, I mean, and, and feasibly there are, you know, plenty of women who can't for a multitude of reasons, breastfeed. Um, but, but I will say as a woman who's been, uh, among women for, you know, around 40 years now <laughs> that I think that we're lied to, we're lied to about the importance. We are lied to about what breastfeeding does for, you know, how it's, how it's, it's psychologically amazing for the mom, how it's, Uh, the the number one uh, best nutritional thing that you can do for your baby you're talking about transferring antibody talking about boosting their immune system not to mention the ever so crucial bonding that the government at large would love to see us uh, abandon altogether they'd love to see us further break apart um, the family unit and uh, and and so it's not um, so much about women that that choose not to do it it's more that Women are choosing not to do it based on false information and repressed information and really being fed an agenda that is, and, and really, and I'm going um, to say it, whoever it pisses off, I think it's the feminist agenda to separate women from their, um, their rightful um, power. And it is. It's power. And it is not something that needs to be leveled out or dumbed down or taken away. It is absolute magnificence in its, in its purest, beautiful form to give life and to be able to, to nourish and sustain that life. We're made to do it. And so um, it's it's important. I know you agree. <laughs> I, I,
2: was, I thought about it a lot when I was nursing my own babies. It was like, this is so amazing. The baby grew all that time. Side of my body and now the baby's out and the baby's still growing from my body yep. this is so cool you know yep. it it's just so, the, the way it's meant to be and it's just, it's completely amazing and some women do have some difficulties babies might have a little tongue tie yep. um there is that you might have to work through with that baby but you just have to be really determined and just stick with it and do it and not give up you know and that's the other thing about midwifery care The postpartum care is amazing. Yes. You know, my care was way over the top, but I did. I'd come see the mom every day for the first five days. Mm -hmm. Then I'd go again at a week and at 10 days and at two weeks. Those visits were super important. And for me, it was to really help those moms get their breastfeeding established. At two weeks, a lot of times the baby will go on a weird growth spurt and start to cry all the time. And the mom thinks that the baby's hungry, so she'll start giving it a bottle. So I really made sure I went at that two-week appointment to make to, to encourage her that it's okay and keep breastfeeding yep. that baby. Yep. But that support that you get from a midwife or a doula or whoever you might have that comes to you after you've had the baby is super important. Um, I want my moms to stay down to just do nothing but take care of that baby. Nurse that baby, learn the baby's cues, get it all figured out so you know exactly what you need to do for your baby, and yeah. for that.
0: It's true, and that and that support with breast for breastfeeding. Whether it's, I think, you know, as a woman to have a motherly figure. Whether it's. Your midwife, your own mother, a sister, an aunt, a grandma, someone. Because I mean, for me, and I was very much into you know holistic, and I wanted to breastfeed, and I, and I was terrified. I remember with Baxton, uh, Happy Birthday, Baxton. And I'm sorry if you hear this and you're embarrassed, but I remember calling you, like <laughs> I have, I have blood blisters. Uh, is that okay? Because I'm, I'm bleeding yeah. when he nurses, and I want to die. I would do childbirth yeah. all over again if I didn't ever have to. But I just stuck with it for just, uh, just but a moment. And it was great, but 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 really, there were times too with um you know with Maddox where, you know, I struggled, you know, and I, he was crying a lot. And I couldn't get him to get a good latch, and it was really through, you know, that support and that encouragement of uh, someone who who knew and and was motherly and was very much calm about it. To where when my anxiety was up, or you know, your a new mom is worried, your baby's crying, they're not latching on. What am I going to do? And to have that support because it would have been easy for me at any point especially as a brand new mom to have given up and and I am so yeah. forever thankful that I did not but but had I and there are many women who don't have the support they're not given the information so
3: and this comes back right. to also right. though beyond just the family that this it used to be I mean it takes a village you know, they would have assistance of yeah. other women that would help help raise these babies in in you know in past times and whatnot. And it like in more modern days, they've had things like have you heard of like La Leche League or or um, mm-hmm. these like these groups where just women helping women to 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 breastfeed and just assist each other. And I think um, you know that's. That's something you almost have to seek out today. You're not going to get that assistance from you know the hospital that from that Western medicine uh, system. Like this, like this is the holistic way. And as we the farther we go, we just I, I feel like everything we see that this holistic way is is the right way. Yep. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It's the right way.
1: Absolutely. And, and the, the the further we move into this whole hospital thing, you know, just like I said, you know, having come in into this particular topic over these last couple of weeks, you know, not really knowing much about it. you know, the light started coming on. once I started to notice that all the pieces fit into the agenda, I knew from other elements too, where there's, there's darkness surrounding it. There's like, you know, I dare to say like Luciferian elements to it, whether you're talking about like abortion or vaccines or transhumanism Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. this particular issue, you know, the, business of, of, of having born, children born yeah. in hospitals yeah. it fit like a like a square peg in a square hole like it's said just, it just fit yep. exactly up yep. you know it, yep. it's, it's 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 profit induced at the expense of us and there's like almost like some dark elements surrounding it it's it's yeah. really really and then that's how i knew we were on something and because it, it just fit it just checked all the boxes you know so,
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah
0: well cynthia is there anything that you wanted to add to wrap it up is there any final thoughts you wanted to in part, I'm so thankful that you came on today.
2: Um, you guys pretty much covered, I mean, we could talk for a long time, you know, how many <laughs> hours we spent talking about topics. Huh. <laughs> talk
0: I want I to talk about circumcision in the future, but we'll edit this part out for right now. But we're, we're going to broach that. <laughs> Just um, thumbs up or thumbs down. Is it good or bad? <laughs> yeah. It's not necessary, right? Not necessary? Yeah, Just totally torture, oh. strap them down to a board and slice part of their sexual anatomy off? Uh, only
2: cosmetic, completely cosmetic. Because totally. you don't want the baby to look like that,
1: right?
0: Well, the, and so the thing is, though, we're talking, and like, so the thing is, is and a lot of people think, that, like, oh, it's not a big deal. They don't remember. That's the argument. Mm-hmm. We can edit all this out. But, but no, I'm going to say but that Stealing. they don't remember. But, but really what's happening is there are deep psychological wounds happening and when you start looking yeah. at children growing up no one's asking what what about sexual repression what about sexual identity what about you know uh, people that grow up to desire you know uh, really violent sex i mean this could go deep and it is a big deal and it is absolutely cosmetic and when you talk about doing it to little girls in this country everyone loses their friggin minds but in any other country where they're doing it to little boys, they're doing it to little girls too, and it's completely normal. So why is it normal here? And, and you're right, it's only cosmetic. So anyways, but and, I will... and
3: I would just say, you know, I mean, as, as a man, like that was a very difficult decision. It, it does seem just like you said, you know, that's what dad, you know, you want to follow, but like I, it's here, right here. We're here to dive right into that stuff. We're going to dive right into Talk it. We're going we're gonna to touch it because I, I feel like this stuff is really important. And there is some psychological and, and things about it. And the reason it always comes back to some simple things to me is like, why do you, I believe the way I believe? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like why, if, if I can actually question that and if I don't have a really good answer, if it was just if it was implanted by something else, then you I have to do more research.
0: Well, and I think it's important, like, and, and maybe I'll just leave the circumcision comment at this. If you're talking about, even if you want to break it down into a, a, a human that can't remember, if we're going to blanket it underneath that. But still, during that moment, you know, um, children and infants, they don't process time. In the way that that we do as adults they don't have a concept of time and so what is a fraction of a moment to us it can be an eternity to them so essentially what we're talking about is an eternity of severe physical torture whereby the child is so traumatized that essentially they they scream through the entire procedure mommy's not coming daddy's not coming there's no concern there's no caring voice or hand Um, they're strapped on a cold backboard Um, and then uh, by the time that baby is delivered with you know his genitals all bandaged up and bleeding and sticking to his diaper he's he's now cried himself into a traumatic state that his mother now cannot recover from and he will go home and he will learn to do all of the things that children do and that wound will be deeply within his psyche for always and, um, mm-hmm. and it's important to weigh those decisions about like, why, why as a culture, do we do the things that we do? And, and is it worth it? Because, um, you know, and I've read, you know, threads, uh, not lately, but in the past of men whose parents didn't make that decision and then they grew and opted to have that surgery, um, which again, in someone. my mind, I'm like, ah, I knew but, um, but, but it is, it's not like if it's not done as a baby that it cannot be done and so therefore right. was the justification and and so that was another thing too when you and i talked some 21 22 years ago initially and i was like well and i was reading like if you're looking for a home birth midwife ask these questions so i have my little on the download list what is she gonna say about cutting the skin off of his penis let's see if i'm gonna hire you <laughs> and then you were like yeah no that's terrible and i was like yes you so <laughs>
2: anyways oh
0: god cynthia it's
2: been so I, wonderful oh. Oh, go ahead. Making, making a choice to permanently alter another person's body. Yes, that is not your body. Not your choice. It's not your choice to make. Right. So that's you too. That child, when he grows up, wants to be circumcised. He can always get circumcised, but he can't get his foreskin back.
0: Right. You know. Right. And often they botch that. They botch that. Right. They cut too deep. They cut too oh, yeah. much. And, and all the yeah. studies I've ever read, if you want talk about, uh, you know, like just, uh, sexual performance or sexual feeling, men, uncut men tend to report that they have higher, uh, sexual feeling. So, I mean, well,
1: I mean, if I could say like, okay, so, so every morning I wake up, right. And I get up and I get a cup of coffee, you know, and I kind of get ready for my day and then I sit down and I just thank God every day that my parents <laughs> circumcised me when i was young. Well,
3: there's bad arguments we have in the car. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, Scott. Scott, you need to look, you need to look a little deeper I know, bro. I know, I know. I need know. to look a little deeper. I appreciate his Thank honesty. You mom and dad. Thank you. <laughs> okay. uh, Well, one thing
2: like to say um, that since our cesarean section rate in the United States is like twenty-five to thirty-five percent, um, there's another issue that I've always thought correlated with that, that the the rates of molestation of girls is at about twenty-five to thirty percent. So if we have girls who are growing up being sexually molested, they are gonna have a really difficult time giving birth. Because that is a part of their body that has now been um, defiled, it's made dirty. It's something that makes it really hard psychologically for them to push their beautiful baby through this mm. dirty yeah. place. Right, really a deal for them. So I feel like... They- Although interven and that's why they need interventions because there's just nothing happening. They're not going to be able to do it. When we have, when I have moms that have had a history of that, I know that that trauma is there. And so we, we talk about it during their pregnancy. We really, really support them like crazy during their labor to help them go ahead and give birth. And then when they give birth, it's like it purifies everything. It's like now I, all of that sexual trauma can be. Starting to heal, and sometimes it's completely healed through their birth. So it's a pretty amazing thing. But I think when you're in the hospital, they don't have time to deal with that. <laughs> if you're having trouble with your contract, your labor, they don't want to talk about psychology and what maybe why you're having that trouble. So they end up having c And I really think that's a big part of our high high rates of c
1: Wow,
3: I'd never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, I that's never, just, I'd never put that, really that together really either. But really yeah, definitely, point. yeah. So,
0: well, Cynthia, thank you so much for coming thank on you. and talking to us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely to Certainly. see your face. Yes. Yeah. I miss you too.
2: Great.
0: <laughs>
1: Thanks, thank Cynthia. Cynthia. Have really a wonderful evening.
0: <laughs> wait, wait can I just say? When you said, I just want to say, I get up every morning. I thought you were going to say you get a hard-on and you don't have to see it. freaky <laughs> peeking through that force. I literally well, thought you were too. going with the heart on well, me, that and that's too. why I looked at you I was like, oh my God, he's really going to go there. You're like, I get my cup of coffee. I was like, oh shit, what's he going to say? And then you're like, and I just thank God. And I'm like, that's
1: what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's well, not there's what that I thought too. you were going go. to too. I'm, I'm sorry, anybody out there that's not yeah. circumcised, so I'm, I'm, that I'm that sorry. No, but episode.
3: like, seriously, though, you you don't have to, like, to, that's exactly how I thought until I had to make a decision for my son. Yeah. And then it's not just my decision anymore.
2: Well, see, I And then up- you have
3: to question the thing I said. Is yeah. You have to fucking go there and you go, why do I believe the way I believe? And if you go and ask the people, that, the same thing we just talked about, the, like the people, I asked my friends who were not circumcised, and they said, I love not being circumcised and I would not let anybody fucking touch my dick. Yeah, And yeah. like, and I said, well, fuck, it's not my decision then. Yeah, I've met yeah. girls that are like, it's so gross. Oh. But that's fucking, that's because but they're I think, programmed. I, but I'm
1: okay, saying, so I agree, I
0: agree ah. with you. It's 100% programmed because I was never taught that, right? Oh, yeah. Let me take that back. So my father apparently was uncircumcised. And my mom, but my I had a really super abusive father, right? He used mm. to hospitalize my mom. And he raped my mom. And so I remember her talking about how dirty he was and how gross it was. But I don't think it had anything to do with him actually... Physically, I think it had to do with what he'd done to her body and mm. her mind, and so therefore anything was gross. So, I grew up being told like, my, you know, my brothers were all circumcised, and you know, you know that was a big thing with my mom. She was like, "Why well, are you going to circumcise a like, boy? You have to circumcise he has to look like his dad." Oh, it just it doesn't look good. That was big. Like, doesn't look good, and that wasn't a true enough reason for yeah. me to do. I, I there's and, it's, it's, and, the, and the and I knew I wouldn't do it, but the moment I held him to, I was like, "That's, I'll be dead before anyone like." cuts him up, right? Mm. Like that's not gonna
3: yeah. and happen. And I didn't so. get to say it in the episode, but like I We're I think Well but I I am uh I am so glad for Tina and, and, and women like you that like, cause like like literally I would not I would have like I was just like Scott. No offense. No good hey No offense dude no, but like feel, I can feel the awakening like, happening. But like you like seriously like I had to like like it was she stood her ground. She yeah. stood her ground and said like I'm not gonna let you do this without you doing research. Yeah. You don't get to make this decision. I want you to call job, X, Dana. Y, and Z, and like, and like before you do it, and like after I called people that like were close people to me that like had a different perspective. There was I couldn't do it. Yeah. I was like I would be I would be being selfish at this point. Yep. Like you know and yeah. and. and it comes back to that same thing, though—the same thing we come to over and over. Why do I believe this way? Yes, totally. Why do I believe this way, dude? Yes. That is
1: like the fundamental foundation of this show, man. Yeah. This is the truth, Zilla, man. Like yeah. for this whole—this whole time, like we've mentioned on the show too. Like when I first met you. Yeah. You know, you, you know, I dude. I'm all about 9/11, Tower 7, freaking Nazi bases on the dark side of the moon, freaking <laughs> all that shit, dude. I'm totally down. But then Ed starts talking vaccines, and I'm just like. Yeah, but vaccines, It's like it's like the but science but is but settled. They're, but they're helpful, right? <laughs> the science is settled. settled. Oh man! I can't even, knowing you,
0: I can't even imagine that that was ever. I know, in your I know. But now. see, I never,
1: I never, I never even took the time to do it. You know, it's kind of like flat Earth too. It's like one of those things. I hear a lot of people saying, like, once you go down the flat Earth path, there's no going back, and you will believe that it's it's. you well, see, it's, that's the thing. I like, was like it's the same thing with vaccines too. I was just like. I just never took the time to go down that road, but during this last like year and a half, dude, I've gone down that road.
3: And that's why we're we're here because, like, because like for me, it was the vaccines. Uh, for you guys, whatever it was, but once you f- see how much they can lie to you, yeah, like I like I'll look at flat Earth. I'm not gonna say I know because like I know they would lie to me about it. Yep. That's what I'm convinced of. Yep. Like I don't know. I haven't done the research. And I haven't, haven't gone that and, one and, either. And I know that science—they buy out scientists all the time. Yeah. Like, it, 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 yeah. well
0: and people generally have like we see the world as we are and by and large people have good hearts by and large even if some of us were raised with like totally shitty opinions and shitty biases and some of us were raised with you know or families that spoke of people in a way that was racist that that maybe we didn't even realize that that wasn't you know okay until we're older like we all came um i'm completely lost my train of thought Ah!
3: we came we came from i i mean what were you just saying? So the, uh,
1: whether it was like the flat Earth and like just, earth, earth. You know, like, I mean, uh, basically, if you come from darkness or you've come
3: from a bad place, or you, have, you have goodness in your heart. You have goodness in your heart. I mean, what I think is is like I what I think. Right. What I think. What I was hearing. Where you go get at was that is that we think of the world in terms of like oh. hey the people around us are are mostly good we mostly have good intentions and so
0: we assume that that there's good intent aimed at us yes, yeah. we assume yes. that oh, i would never like you can't imagine like like, okay, I'm going to take this really quickly like the O.J. Simpson thing, right? There was yeah. like this huge thing, like, well, he couldn't have done it, which which he a oh, 1,010% did, and uh, that we could do a whole other episode on that. But so O.J. <laughs> Simpson totally knew his wife, was terrified of him and terrified of Blades, and he murdered her. Um, But, and I, I digress, But but people didn't want to believe that because it would have involved mass conspiracy. It would have involved a number of people all telling the same kind of story, and people couldn't wrap their minds around that. And if you look at that, on a governmental level, if you look at that on a global level, mm-hmm. people, that's the big deal with, with with this COVID bullshit. People do not want to believe and simply cannot accept yep. that those people who are meant to lead us and uphold our rights and to look out for us and to oversee things would want anything other than our prosperity. And the truth of the matter yeah. is, is they want everything. <laughs> but our I
3: prosperity. would consider this, uh, I would almost coin this, it's the psyop of the, the yin-yang. Yeah. it's like it's the i've heard people tell me this like like well like you know uh most most things are good so there's there may be a little bit of bad but like most people are moving in the good direction but it's like that's the whole psyop because because the bad in there can dictate all the other shit around it yeah. you yeah. know they yeah. they set up the systems and 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 that's so you, there's there's evil throughout yeah. but it, it there's a whole bunch of good people around doing evil they just don't even fucking know it We'll right.
1: yeah, just give you a $1,200 check and then you know we, everything's good right? <laughs> yeah. yeah stay
0: home yeah. put your mask on put your mask on inside your yeah, house
1: god all, okay. right. all right I feel like we need to fill the
3: bonus episode right now Yeah. okay right. are we gonna right. well yeah, we wrap are, this one up okay all let's right. wrap this up
0: all right well everybody thank you so much for tuning in tonight it was amazing to talk with Cynthia Luxfer she is an incredible woman a beautiful human
3: very very how fantastic was it to have her on that I'm just gonna, awesome. I'm just cutting you off. Sorry, no, but you. like but like I I was we were blessed to have her. Yeah, and yeah. and thank She's, you for coming on. OG True Zilla Mind yeah, militia too. She has been thank a warrior. You, Cynthia.
1: Thank you. Thank you for supporting our show this whole time. And like it's just yes. like it's so fun to see your interactions with the with the stuff that we do, stuff that we put out, you know what I mean? Like especially on our social media. If you're not following us, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, hop on it. It's fun. We have a lot of fun.
0: Um, So thank you, Cynthia. You're a warrior for uh, mommies and babies Mm. and a wealth of knowledge for all of us to uh, pick up and run with. I am Megan. And
3: uncircumcised
0: penises. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll talk about that later with Scott. We'll have... I
3: had to. I
0: I am Megan. I am sitting here with the lovely Scott and the beautiful Ed. We wish you all
2: intellectual prosperity. Good night.
3: Good night. Damn. Damn.